Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me tonight down in Rosebud, Texas, is Caleb Jenks. Caleb, how are you doing this evening? Doing good. Good. So before we go any further, my wife told me I start. I need to start announcing this right away. We have a website. You can find it if you go to BibleThumperPodcast.com. And on that website, you can find everything related to the Bible Thumper Podcast, the YouTube channel, the Facebook channel, all the different places you can download a podcast. And we would ask that you subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit that little bell notification, and download a podcast, like it, comment on it, share it, subscribe to it, whatever they let you do. It helps us tremendously. And with that, Caleb and I tonight are talking about mental health in the Bible. So Caleb told me just a minute ago, he said, Patrick, we're a Bible podcast. What on earth are we doing talking about mental health? And I said, Caleb, we are both married men. We have experienced mental health issues for, well, I've been married for 17 years, so for that long and you've been married for about that long maybe longer uh so that i would say that makes us an expert if i've been dealing with crazy people you know i.e my wife and her family uh for almost 20 years i think that makes me an expert what do you think about that uh, yeah either that or our mental mental health issues date back prior to the marriage because obviously <laughs> we were dumb enough to get married I saw I saw something the other day that said you have to be crazy to be married. This guy was going over some some of it is pretty funny, real. Mm-hmm. But so anyway, joking aside, we're talking about mental health in the Bible. So, Caleb, this is what I'm going to say. I kind of wanted to start out with this idea of the spectrum, and I wanted to find out where you fall on the spectrum and where you think most people fall on the spectrum. Now, I'm not talking about your autism. I am talking about a hypothetical spectrum here where on the one far end, people will say all mental illness is a result of demonic oppression or sin. And on the other far side of the spectrum, people would say that no mental illness is a result of demonic oppression or sin. So the idea is the spiritual aspect of mental illness is going to be looked at as total on one side or totally absent on the other. Does that make sense? Right. Where would you say you fall? as far as your beliefs? Uh, I would say I tend to assume that it's probably more common that it's spiritual in nature than that it's mental health related. Uh, That being said, um, of course, I'm no mental health expert. Mm -hmm. I would say I probably tend to lean more that direction that it's that that it's a spiritual malady. I would probably more I would probably more heavily put faith in or hope that there's going to be a spiritual solution to somebody's mental issues than than assuming that it's that it's mental health. But I I know. Well, let's let's do let's do this. So 
it sounds like you're de- 50 50. I'd say I'm like 60 40. So, well, I don't want to define it as there's a, there's spiritual and then there's mental health, which is outside of that. We're talking right. about mental health. And I believe that there is a spiritual component to it. And I also believe there are going to be situations that need to be cured with nothing but science and medicine. And I'm fine saying that. I have no problem with saying there are some instances where there might not be a spiritual malady at all. It is purely science and medicine that is going to be the solution. My issue is that so many in American Christianity today are people that are not willing to look at the spiritual side of anything. Right. And that's always my concern. I don't see <clears throat> we are not in the the timeline or the uh, not the timeline. We're not in the age where when someone's having some kind of problem, we all point at them and yell, "They're a witch." You know, and right. we're like, "Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw you off this cliff." And if you're a witch, we expect you to fly back up here and submit to uh, whatever punishment we're going to give you. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, that that's not what we're doing. I don't think that is the big concern that we have. We're, you know, this isn't several hundreds of years ago prior to understanding uh, germs and penicillin and, you know, so many different things. So I don't think that's where we are. I think we are on the other side of the spectrum where we have seen science and medicine solve so many problems in the world and improve the world in so many ways that we look to science and medicine to the point where we are going to ignore spiritual matters. That is my concern with where we are today especially Christianity in America. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, I tend to I tend to see oftentimes where the spiritual side of, of things is completely ignored. Uh, not not even so much well, certainly in the church, but outside of the church in the in the legal system, the justice system, the I the you, you see a crazy person that probably does have men- mental health issues, but they may very likely have a demon. And that nobody even considers the fact that there's something spiritual in nature. And instead they say, oh, this person needs mental health. And obviously that sometimes may, may be the case. But yeah, I, I, I would agree that um, actually in some, in some of the more conservative Christian circles, I've seen it where it was it was the other extreme where it was just naturally disregarded that there could be mental health issues and everything is spiritual. But I would say by and large within the American church, uh, people probably put more stock. Okay. In the you mental keep, health issues. hold on. Cause you're going to confuse everybody with the way that you're using the term mental health. You keep saying that it's a, you keep saying in, in some cases <clears throat> it's not a spiritual issue and they need mental health. So what I'm talking about is I don't care which one it is. It's a mental health issue as opposed to a physical health issue. Do you understand? Okay. Okay. So they are mentally sick. The question is, is the solution spiritual or medicine and science? 
but they're both mental health. You see what I'm saying? If a person yeah, is acting would... crazy, it could be a spiritual malady or a physical one, which require two different types of help. They might need both. But right. you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying that if it's a spiritual problem, I don't call it mental health. I'm talking about mental health as opposed to physical health. Okay. I, I, you I see what I'm saying? I guess I, I'm considering it more mental versus spiritual, but I see what you're, what you're saying. There would be some people that would have a, a, a demonic oppression or, or possession mm-hmm. that I would consider to be spiritual in nature with needing a spiritual solution to their problem or, or some people that have you know, their, their anxiety or depression is more, they, they need medicine or they need uh, mental help to, to get back on track. Yes. What I'm saying, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm no, I'm no expert. So anyway, I think we're both saying this, getting to the same point, but I guess I'm saying it um, different. Every time you refer to mental health, you're talking about it. It, it is non-spiritual. That is the way That's you're defining mental health is non-spiritual. Right. But I see your point that there are mental health issues that have a spiritual. Correct. Mental health can require a spiritual solution or a solution based in science and medicine. But they're crazy people require mental health. Okay, or I'm sorry, I should say crazy people have a mental health issue. Right. Whether it's spiritual or uh, scientific. Because spiritual, for those of you listening, anything that is outside of our three-dimensional universe, right, that is the supernatural. That's what the definition of supernatural is. If it is outside of the scientific method, then we are in the supernatural. So that is the spiritual realm. Anything that science cannot define anything science cannot demonstrate anything that is not testable and observable and falsifiable lands in what we call the supernatural you with me that good yep okay okay so let me let me give you a bible verse and give everyone an idea as to why some people land on the side where they believe that all mental health issues are spiritual ones and science and medicine have nothing to do with it just to play devil's advocate. And because you're going to find people that lean heavily on that side in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 28, we read the Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, God is explaining the curses that he will send upon his people when they are living in outright blatant disobedience to his word. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, there are a hundred curses that God lists if we live in disobedience to him. One of them is madness an astonishment of heart. So the idea is some people chalk all mental health issues up to a spiritual problem where it is a curse of God from sin or it is a demonic oppression and they completely ignore the idea of doctors and science and medicine. I am not on that side of the spectrum. 
I am fine with blood transfusions. I am fine with antibiotics. I am fine with doctors setting bones and performing surgeries and taking out an appendix that is about to burst. And Caleb, I assume you're in that camp as well? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. In Matthew 9, 12, we read, but when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now, that portion of scripture, Jesus was using the example to explain to people that he has come to help sinners. He, Jesus was maybe what we would call a spiritual doctor. He, he said, I'm not here for the righteous, I'm here for the sinners. But when I read that verse in Matthew 9, Jesus' analogy explains that the sick need a physician. That's what it says. So I don't see that the Bible is, you know, condemning medicine or condemning uh, psychology or psychiatry. I'm not saying that the Bible is condemning any of those. Do you have any issues with that? No. Okay. Now, Caleb, what mental illness have you guys dealt with in your church what have you seen as far as mental illness amongst christians if we had to make a list what do you think would be on that list as far as mental illness that christians deal with or suffer from um i would say probably anxiety and depression are going to be the the number one and number two i think those are great okay those are absolutely i agree they're on my list as well Okay, depression and anxiety, I think, are uh, right up there as far as what people uh, deal with. Let me give you one. Uh, another one that I think a lot of Christians are going to deal with is uh, substance abuse and addiction. I think those are going to be mental health issues that we find in uh, churches all the time. And a lot of times, substance abuse issues and various forms of addiction are a way that people are trying to cope with their depression and anxiety. They're struggling with stress in their life. They're trying to cope. And they turn to drinking. They turn to a variety of drugs. And and bless God, our federal government and state governments continue to make more and more of those illegal, or sorry, more and more of those legal. Um. They're going to turn to a variety of behaviors that are not technically substance abuse, you know, but are still addictive in nature. You're going to have eating disorders. You're going to have pornography. You're going to have gambling. uh, You're going to have cutting. You're going to have a a variety of different um, addictive behaviors that are people acting out, trying to cope with uh, the, the stress in their life. Any others that you would say jump out at you as far as what you're going to run into in church? Um, I don't know if nar- narcissism is that. <laughs> That's more of a personality type, personality, personality disorder. Um, no, I that's uh, I think that's probably by and large going to be your... The, the majority. Major. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, now control control freaks. There's all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, those are usually running the church. So exactly. yeah, I mean that's that's our job as pastors to be the control freaks. So I wanted to read everyone a verse and kind of give you an idea uh, that God is just as concerned with our mental health as He is with our physical and spiritual health. Uh, in Philippians 4.8, we read, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So the things we think about have an effect on our mental health. So the question is, what are we allowing into our minds? Caleb, have you ever come across a Christian who is just a news hound? They are a news junkie, and they are spending so much time watching the news, following politics, keeping up on world events, and they are the ones that that is all they think about and that's all they talk about? Yeah, I've seen one of those in the mirror from time to time. <laughs> so if you, you wanna, can be if you can be a news junkie and obsessed with that and be a Christian at the same time, yes, I probably you are you been, are the guy. So <laughs> I know times where I was that guy. Yeah, I know I have been way over the line on trying to keep up on current events and things like that. And I know a lot of people who will turn off or limit the things in their lives like social media and the news because the things we find out there are not true, just, pure, and lovely like we read about in Philippians 4.8. And what I've found is that several of those things will oftentimes stress me out and that'll absolutely uh, help with my uh, level of you know anxiety or depression. Now, Caleb, have you ever dealt with anxiety or depression? Uh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, so have I. Um, so, and and I should also I should also say this, uh, just to be as upfront as possible. I'm a pastor of a church, and I believe the Bible. I, I don't want to say I believe the Bible more than anyone I know, but what I'm going to say is you're going to have a hard time finding a Christian who believes even the hard parts of the Bible, the difficult parts, you know, more than me. For me, I'm like, nope, I believe the Bible. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to take it head on. I don't care how difficult and awkward a portion of scripture is. I'm going to tell you that I believe it. And I'm going to tell you that you're wrong if you don't believe it. With that being said, I see a psychiatrist. I've had depression that has been more than what we would call manageable depression. And I've gone to, really, he's not a psychiatrist. He can't prescribe drugs, or maybe he can. I never even asked him. Um, you've, been to the, you've been to the shrink. You yeah, say. there you go. I've been to a shrink. And it helped a lot. You know, and he was able to help me find out several things in my life that were really just out of whack, just totally out of balance. I needed to change some things. 
and when I made a lot of these changes, my depression came down to a very manageable level. Some people have a level of clinical depression where they need much more help than what we might be talking about here today. There are also several areas of mental health. There are mental health disorders like schizophrenia, various forms of psychosis, maybe specific phobias, and you are probably going to need a lot more in the way of help than you know we're going to be talking about here tonight. And to be honest with you, um, we'll get into kind of a list of some solutions for different mental health issues that might be out there. All I'm saying is I don't find any contradiction between believing the Bible and seeing that there is also help outside uh, of the Bible, non-spiritual help through science and medicine that can be a great benefit. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. So I would, one thing that I've noticed with it, and I, I've not been just to see a shrink yet. One mm-hmm. of these days, if I keep doing this podcast long enough and have to talk to Patrick. Yeah. We actually have <laughs> a retainer week, with some shrinks for any guests that have to put up with me for extended periods of time. Uh, but here's what I've, what I've noticed with it is that there's probably most people that I've seen that have gotten kind of over the top, maybe to the point of clinical depression, they probably, there was things like you said, and I'm not going to put you on the spot to find out. Yeah. I mean, unless you want to say what it was. Sure. But um, there's probably things that there's, it was my kids. It was my kids. kids. Yeah. It was either I was going to start drowning them in the bathtub or I was going to go get some professional help. And yeah, I, I talked with my wife about it and the two of us were really struggling with which one of those would be the best solution <laughs> for a while. It came down to a coin toss. Sorry. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you got a third opinion <laughs> on that. <laughs> Went to ask the shrink. Yeah. Uh, so there's probably, there's probably a lot of milestones that people pass along the way where there would have been, where things were still manageable, mm-hmm. where there was biblical that could have been taken where reading proverbs and reading uh, portions of scripture that would have helped keep things in in balance it's in one's life could have probably prevented getting to the point that it got to because things are out of whack you know whether it's stress or finances or work-life balance or too many kids or <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. whatever the scenario is that's causing somebody to get to the point that they are but once you get to a certain point where you're in over your head and you're drowning and you, and you just can't, you can't hardly breathe. You're, you're not managing things well. You're clinical at that point, whether it's, whether you're going to a, a psychiatrist or a friend or a pastor or any, any place for help, there's going to be a, probably a lot of your friends, even without asking are going to be able to tell you some of the things that you need to change. Everybody else can probably see it in you except for yourself is what I've found. There's been, I'm no, I'm no mental health expert, but I've known of friends that were really struggling with anxiety and depression that didn't really know what was going on. And I'm sitting there looking at it like, I could probably tell you a yeah. few things. You Let me tell you the top three things that you need to change and you'll be better. And Caleb, so, what, when yeah, I was asked to, I didn't, he, I wasn't asked to make a list. I went through a list of questions like, you know, we're going to attack this from a very pragmatic standpoint. 
Okay, we're going to just, you know, go through a questionnaire. And when we were going through this and I was answering the questions, I was listening to my own answers and I'm like, well, you already already knew it. Oh, yeah. I was like, well, that doesn't sound good. You know, but I had not, so to speak, diagnosed myself. I was just busy going through life and I didn't step back and examine what was going on. And I didn't have a friend you know, that knew me intimately enough to talk to me and help me with these things. So I ended up paying someone, you know, to, to do just what you're talking about, to see like, look, buddy, this is, and, and if I saw someone else going through the same thing, I would have been able to help them. Right. But helping myself was totally different now. And just to, and Caleb, I want to get back to you because I know I interrupted you, but just to give another example, I think everyone on this podcast knows that I'm a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. And in the same way, I was able to help other people, but I was not able to point out in my own life the issues that I had and recognize substance abuse until I got to a certain point and I was kind of forced down a road where it was pointed out to me. And then all of a sudden it was like, holy cow, this is really a problem. So there's something to be said about a person's inability to look in the mirror and determine what is wrong and what they need help with. Right. Go ahead, Caleb. Sorry for cutting you off and taking that long. Well, once you get to the point where, for, for me personally, when there's been times where I've gotten to some of the lowest points with anxiety in my life, I knew... I'll, there was a whole list of things that I knew that I could that I could take care of to help alleviate where I was at, mm-hmm. but I was almost incapacitated to do so because of the place that I was in mentally. Like if I'd have been three months prior, where I was in a good place mentally, and I had a list of some things that I could do to improve, to reduce the stress in my life, or change my budget to where there wasn't so much financial stress, or whatever the things were that were causing the the anxiety, if I was at a healthy point, I could have taking care of those things. But when you get to the point of being in over your head, you're not really thinking straight. You're not really, you're, you're, you're so incapacitated that at that point, I think uh, um, a pastor, a friend, a, 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 a psychiatrist, shrink, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. almost anyone is going to be more capable. They, would, they don't even have to be a spiritual expert or a mental health expert. Getting help is so important and, and is so hard for us to do because at least for me as a second generation Christian, no, this is a spiritual issue. You just need to pray and get, you know, deal with this yourself. Yep. You know, bootstrap so, theology. Right. So you don't you don't really you don't really think of asking for help. Well, and when we get down to what to do and what not to do, my number one item on the list of what not to do is nothing that is you do not want to ignore the problem the sooner you go and get some form of help the better you're going to be and the easier it is to get over whatever the situation is caleb what's like the number one thing doctors tell you if you want to get over cancer like what's the number one thing they tell you the most important thing it's early detection. 
Oh, right. Right. You don't want to, you don't want to show up and we're like, Hey, uh, by the way, you have stage four, whatever cancer and it's spread to everything. And you're right. like, Oh, that's not good. What do we do? The doctor's like, well, you go home and not you die. Better. Yeah. Like that. No, that that's, there's nothing you do. You know, this is, we're at a point where there's nothing you can do. What you want to do is have early detection. That's why it's so important for men to go to the doctor once a year and get a physical. That's it. Go to the doctor for like 45 minutes and they take blood and they, you know, give you once over head to toe and bada bing. You are probably going to live much, much longer simply because if there's an issue, boom, they find it right away. So all I'm saying is it's the same with mental health. It's better to, right. you know, get in there um, more quickly. Okay, so Caleb, we were talking about. Oh, let me just let me just give uh, one stat since we love statistics here. Uh, the National Institute of Mental Health says one in five American adults live with mental health. So this is something that affects twenty percent of the people that were honest when they were polled. And probably an additional 60 to 80% of the people that lied during the poll. So, <laughs> so there's really nothing to be ashamed of. I don't think we're in an age where uh, that comes up nearly as much. I'm always concerned that that might be the case in churches, which is why we wanted to talk about this tonight. You know, we want to make sure people understand, look, there's nothing wrong with having mental health issues. There is something wrong with ignoring it. And in churches today, uh, you should be able to uh, go to your pastor, go to a friend and find someone that can say, oh, yeah, let me point you to someone that can help you. You know, uh, this is what uh, this is where you should go. Uh, this is a great place to start. I don't think we're in the same place as you know, we were in Christianity where it was more, oh, yeah, don't, don't talk about that. That means you're a weak Christian and, you know, you got some spiritual problems and we don't, you know, we don't want to, we don't want anyone right. to know about that. We'll, we'll bring that up as in a list of prayer requests at the next, at the yeah. next women's, yeah. the Un next women's coffee hour. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, or that'll be a general unspoken prayer request that we'll mention in front of the church. All right, so let me give you some very specific Bible verses about Bible people who struggled with mental illness. So, uh, Caleb, would you have any issue with me saying that King David was depressed? No. <laughs> if you've read the Psalms. Yeah, and, and that's where I'm going to be quoting from. So, uh, something to remember about King David, and this is, I think this is a, an important point. He was overwhelmed and depressed when he was in the will of God and when he was living in terrible sin. And my point for that is just simply to show that when you are close to God and doing well, or when you are far from God, and living in sin, you can still have mental health issues. You can still have depression come upon you. So to start with Psalm 38 verses three and four, there is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. 
for mine iniquities are gone over mine head as an heavy burden they are too heavy for me caleb does now you said that you had issues with depression does that sound like how you felt when you were depressed as a heavy burden they are too heavy for me right yeah and i think he even no he didn't use the word overwhelmed uh there so if you you get to the message bible it probably says i was bummed out that's kind of overwhelmed (laughs) so in psalm 38 uh when g when david was writing this psalm uh this was a result of david's sin with the murder of uriah and the adultery with his wife bathsheba and we all know that story uh you know second number one most famous story for adults with king david is uriah and bathsheba number one most famous story with kids concerning king david is david and goliath so when david was in terrible sin he was overwhelmed he had this terrible uh conviction it said that he didn't have any rest in his bones and his burdens were too heavy for him to bear okay that is what depression feels like i cannot get out of this everything is too much for me things are too much for me to handle and king david felt this because of his sin and i only bring this up because like i was talking about before i have no problem saying that some mental health issues are a spiritual malady david one of the steps in this was that he had to stop that sin and get right with god that was part of the healing process and i have dealt with mental health professionals that don't want to talk about the spiritual side of things they don't want to hear anything about the bible anything about god and i think it's a terrible shame that we have compartmentalized humanity into mental physical and spiritual and they don't cross one doesn't affect another give me a break that's nonsense the bible says laughter is as medicine to thy bones okay the bible says that that is good for you laughter is good for you physically and we talked about this i don't know a month ago when we got on the topic of uh demonic oppression and mental health uh in the bible we know that the your body releases chemicals when you work hard when you work out physically your body releases chemicals when you eat certain foods your body releases chemicals when you laugh there are things that we do physically that are good for us mentally and there are mental things that happen that are good for us physically I hate the idea that physical, mental, and spiritual are totally separated in American culture nowadays. And I, th- I think we're doing a disservice to people when we say, yep, that is you know 100% a spiritual issue and that's the end of it. Or, oh, that's a mental issue and doesn't have anything to do with anything physical. Any thoughts on that, Caleb? Yeah, so... I'm kind of starting to, I, I'm probably getting a little better grasp for this just as, as I'm listening to you talk tonight. But so the, the, 
mental health issue, I, I tend to compartmentalize it quite a bit myself mm-hmm. and think of it as mental versus spiritual, almost, you know, your mind being somewhat separate from your soul. Yeah. And yet we, we do understand and comprehend the fact that mental health is a part of, I mean, the way that God speaks to us, the way that Satan speaks to us when, when Satan came to Eve in the, the garden as mm-hmm. a snake, it was, it was a spiritual conversation in nature. It was the devil coming after the woman, but he, he reasoned with her through her mind. It was still a mental conversation, the same thing as, as far as our comprehension of theology and of God. So I guess it's, it's interesting when you, when you think about it that way, how David's sin in a spiritual level. So it was a physical, like she was so pretty, right? If I Mm -hmm. have her, it'll make me happy. Well, then he had yes. her and didn't make him happy. So it was a physical attraction that became a spiritual problem, which is now fed over into a mental issue where he's depressed because mm-hmm. of his sin. So you can see how the three are very connected. It goes from a physical, absolutely, know, spiritual, mental. Absolutely. Uh, a substance abuse is no different. Okay, right. substance abuse, we are dealing with this physical malady. Our body craves this thing. And when we don't have it, we are mentally uh, down in the dumps. We are depressed. We are distraught. Okay. And the only solution to that, to alcoholism, is a spiritual one because that's where the real issue is. We are missing something as far as the, uh, in our life, and the solution is God. We have the quote, God shaped hole, you know, in us right. that we need to feed. Okay, so let me just continue on this uh, King David point for a second. In Psalm 55, verses 4 and 5, we read, My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. Now, this is much later in David's life, after the Uriah and Bathsheba you know, incident. This is a time when he is back on the horse and he is doing right by God. And in this Psalm, King David is talking about an enemy that is oppressing him. And it is believed by many that the enemy is Absalom and Ahithophel. So Absalom was David's son and Ahithophel was one of David's most most trusted advisors who sided with Absalom when Absalom decided to steal away, um, you know, part of the kingdom of David. So again, David is overwhelmed by the stress in his life, and he is crying out to God for help. Uh, I believe this is another clear indication of his depression. He's actually talking about the terrors of death are fallen upon him. Uh, If that doesn't you know, describe depression. I don't know what does. Fearfuling and trembling are come upon me, um, and horror hath overwhelmed me. So he literally uses that word overwhelmed, you know, in this case. So I think this is another good example of where David has some legitimate fear about a situation that's going on, and he has some anxiety, uh, which is really a future fear of what might happen your thoughts right yeah so over and over again when i read when i read psalms and of course i 
I should say this somewhat carefully because obviously it's a it's a book in the Bible, and we're we're looking at we're looking at something that is inspired, and so there's a reason that it's there. But when you when you look at some of the musings um, that are that are there, I see myself reflected. You see humanity and David's struggle, and you see the way that he was that he dealt with. Uh, he, obviously, he's he's a very manly man, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Saul was Saul wanted to kill him because of his heart playing. Ah, he just froze. Can you believe that? Right in mid-sentence. I was just trying to make a joke about David not being manly because he played the harp and and Caleb froze. So let's see if he comes back. Uh, Just for the record, Caleb, we cannot hear you and your screen froze. So you might need to, you know, get out of here and start that up again. All right. So I'm just going to move on because I'm flying solo for the next minute. Uh, Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19 and let's look at Elijah when he was suicidal again not something you would expect from a man of god doing the will of god and just a fellow that's close to god but this is what we see in the bible elijah in first kings chapter 19 starting in verse 1 and ahab told jezebel all that elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword then jezebel sent a messenger onto elijah saying so let the gods do to me and more also if i make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time so elijah was had his life threatened and he this is at, right after he did just some great things for god and we find that elijah is obviously disturbed by the news that a king is you know wants his head uh verse three and when he saw that he arose and went for his life and came to beersheba which belongeth to judah and left his servant there but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said it is enough now O lord take away my life for i am not better than my father's elijah was not ready to kill himself and we've seen suicide in the bible several times uh, in the old testament and in the new testament it's not a topic that goes um, without being addressed Elijah was not quite ready to take his own life, but one of the previous steps on your way to suicide is wishing that you were dead. Elijah was at that point where he was so overwhelmed, he didn't see any way out. It was dark and scary and alone. And Elijah thought to himself, God, just just kill me now. Just take me home. I can I cannot bear to deal with what's ahead. I don't know where Elijah would have ended up. The Lord intervenes. It gets better. You can read the rest of the chapter and see that Elijah is uh, not killed by Ahab and Jezebel. But the man of God, and folks, when we're talking about people in the Bible, I think Elijah was one of 
the servants of God, one of God's prophets, that did more miracles than almost anybody in the Bible. And then Elisha was another one. These guys were used of God to do unbelievable things. I mean, when I want to read a story that is encouraging and exciting and supernaturally inspiring, I read about the life and ministry of this man, Elijah. It's amazing. It is inspirational. And he was in such a dark, lonely, and scary place that he wanted to die. And I say this just to tell everyone that might be listening to this podcast, if you are having thoughts of suicide, I am telling you, everything is much better than you think. You are incapable of seeing life in its current state as reality. You are struggling because you are overwhelmed with certain parts of what's going on in your life. But what I can tell you, because I have personally been there, I have been in that exact spot where I have begged God just to kill me. I was so tired of it. I didn't want to live anymore. I just wanted it to be over. I was not ready to take my own life, but I was you know, a step or two ahead of that where I was ready to die and I just wanted God to take me out because I did not see a way forward. I did not see any path that was going to lead to anything better. It was dark and it felt so lonely. And the sad thing is, it is not. There are people that love you and want to help you Uh, God does not want you to be in that place. He loves you and he wants to help you. And I'm telling you, the devil is right there and he is trying to push you over the edge into a very bad spot. It does not, it is not the way out. It is worse. And folks, I cannot tell you the number of ways that God has used me since I was in just a really difficult and terrible dark place like that and caleb i'm bringing you back in have you been listening yes all right it cut it cut out for a second i restarted it but i think i caught most of what you yeah had to say you were saying something about that you were hoping to die suicide by god at some point like that yes (laughs) yeah and i was going over uh first kings 19 and that was where elijah was where he was begging god to kill him because he was in such a such a dark spot caleb do you have any experience with suicide yourself with friends or family or anybody you know where you can uh comment on this not terribly close uh, f- friends or family, but I have had acquaintances and friends of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as I've had f- some personal friends or closer that that did have a, uh, you know, had bouts of depression and, and suicidal thoughts, that type of thing. Uh, so I was kind of chuckling when you were talking about it. It's kind of crazy how, how, how serious that it is in the moment. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, um, if somebody lands on this podcast and they're dealing with suicidal thoughts, uh, it's no, it's no joking matter. Or if they lost someone to suicide, it's no, it's not a, a, not a joking matter. I was thinking how, how funny it is though, when you think about 
some of these men in the Bible, they got to the end of their rope and they're just like, kill me now. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like how much of that could have been uh, the devil whispering in their ear. You're, oh, yeah. you're never going to be any, you're never going to be any good. You ought to just, you ought to just curl up and die because he knew what, a, what an amazing person they were going to be and how God was going to use them. And he yep. was just like, yeah, you're no good. The same thing you were saying about yourself. And so it reminds me of these cops that are, that are, you know, some guys like coming at him with a knife trying mm -hmm. to do a suicide by a cop. And they're like, oh, no, yeah. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to shoot you. And, yep. and the, the guy, the guy at the, at the mo at the time doesn't think of how selfish he is in the, in the, in the moment to want, you know, he just wants out, right. This is yep. an easy way out. You get somebody else to do it for me. I'm not man enough to kill myself. I'm going to mm -hmm. get somebody else to do it for me. Anyway, I was, I was just thinking about it, how God, for whatever reason, he chooses to use people that aren't, always that strong and i'm not sure when it cut out earlier when i was talking about david uh but how david is seen as you think of david as being a a, a manly man's man the, the women were were singing about david you know saul has slain his thousand david his tens of thousands saul was jealous of the fact that david was seen as a, a greater hero than he was so he goes after david to kill him right but then you read what what David has to say, and it's like this little boy, you know, crying out, talking about his struggles and his, you know, he, it's not like, like even a warrior, even a strong, valiant warrior in the Bible has his weak moments where, where we're dealing with, you know, our mental illness or our, our weakness. And God still chooses to use people like that. So if God yeah. chooses to use a weak vessel like you or me, when we have our, our low times where we feel like it would just be easier if we were done or if God would take us, if God is able to use us, we shouldn't, we should also not ever think of ourselves too highly to end up to realize that tomorrow or next week or next month, we could end up at a low point like that where the devil's trying to tell us, Hey, you know what? You're no good. You'd be a better option to, you know, to kill yourself and be done. God can't use you. And that's probably a good. Uh, that's a good reminder that God does use, he uses simple minded people, mm -hmm. weak, weak minded people like you and me. And, and so just because God has used you or you're, uh, in the battle doesn't mean that the devil isn't going to be able to get to you through your mind. And he certainly has for me. I've had my, I've had my low moments. I've never been, I would never say I've been suicidal, but I've had times where I've had suicidal thoughts. And like you said, it would just be, you know, it'd be easier. I've honestly, there's been times where I prayed and I'm like, God, just like, let's just come back. Yep. Just return and let's, yeah. let's get this over. Let's with. get this whole I'm thing. Let's just be done with it. Well, and you know what, Caleb? Um, when I um, when you were commenting on, you know, my thoughts of you know suicide and just wanting God to kill me and Elijah's, one thing you said was a lot of times you know that might be the devil trying to get someone that God is going to use to off himself. And mm -hmm. it just occurred to me, what did the devil tempt Jesus with? He was like, yeah, right. I'm going to, he like, took him up. On, yeah, just jump off this building. Right? It's not a big deal. That's right. exactly what the devil tried to get Jesus to do. His tricks are the same, whether it's me or Elijah or Jesus. Do you like how I just lumped myself in with those yeah. two? Yeah, that was slick, right? Hey, but that is really the point no matter even if it's a lowly gentile dog like myself or it's messiah jesus um the devil he you know his plan is the same that's what he wants us to do he wants us out of the game because we cannot do anything for the glory of god if we are gone 
The only thing I can tell you in certainty is that everyone that I know that has been suicidal at one point, you go down the road just a little bit, sometimes as little as a couple weeks or a couple months, and they look back on their life and they can't believe how low they were and how far they have come. Now, Caleb, this is so far from the Bible, this next story, but I think it's worth telling because it's true. You know the actor Robert Downey Jr., right? I've heard the name. I, I've never watched anything he played. You are worthless for American Christianity, okay? Like, who do you minister to? What cow field are you in talking, you know? Okay, Caleb Jenks, missionary to the Amish, has no idea who Robert Downey Jr. is. Of course not. So anyway, Robert Downey Jr. was an actor who had a very uh, promising and successful career, but he struggled a lot with alcoholism and drug addiction. <clears throat> he ended up in rehab several times, and he tells the story about how um, he was thinking about killing himself, and he was thinking about how he was going to do it, and he was at a Burger King, and he was sitting there drinking a Coke, and he was so down, he was he was planning his suicide one year later to the day he was sitting at the exact same burger king drinking a coke and on the coca-cola cup was iron man robert downey jr is the actor that played iron man in the marvel series and wow. he became obviously one of the most iconic figures in cinematography coming back and playing that role they did iron man iron man 2 iron man 3 they did um i mean how many marvel movies was that guy in you know there are so many you know it's hard to count and i couldn't even possibly imagine the amount of money that that guy's made you know from all those movies but he tells the story about look I wanted to die. I was so down. I was so low. I was considering suicide. And in one year, you know, this is where I was brought to. These are the changes that can happen in your life in just one year. When we think of biblical examples, think of the biblical example of Joseph. Joseph. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back to the Bible just yet. Yeah. Do you want me to story. do another actor? Okay, folks. No, 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 no. Arnold I, I Schwarzenegger. Think. Uh, now. <laughs> The moral of the story is if you want to do great things in life, go to yeah. Burger King tonight. Go to Burger King and plan and, your suicide. And then go, yeah, there's wonderful. And then go to Hollywood. You can, you can take that. You can take that <laughs> clip out and use that as as a reel on Instagram to promote the Bible. Oh my soul! So when you're thinking about it, think of Joseph. He was thrown down in the mud, kicked again and again while he was down. He was sold into slavery, thrown into prison. And in a matter of 24 hours, he was elevated to the second most powerful position only under Pharaoh in the most powerful country on earth. And it's an, it's an encouraging story because we see what God can do in, the matter, in a matter of less than a day when he wants to do it. And I only bring, you know, these stories up, both biblical and secular, to remind people that 
um, it truly is darkest just before the dawn. And it is dark and it is scary and it is lonely. But just on the other side of that, there is absolute peace and greatness that God can bring into your life and your life can be so much better and, you know, rewarding and fulfilling. Okay, Caleb, sorry, you had something you wanted to say about Robert Downey Jr.? I was, uh, no, I, I, I shouldn't be making jokes on here. Um, so the, something that you mentioned there is that your perspective is so different when you're in those moments. So I've had, yes. I've had some times that I went through where it was pretty low point in, in my life, depression, anxiety. And I, it seemed like, it seems like time drags on and that maybe solutions like that even a week takes forever or mm -hmm. a day takes forever. A year is a, a really long time. And that a solution, the solutions that you can think of at the time are just not practical for how desperate the situation is. It's going to take too long. A couple of years, like you said, a year or two down the road, looking back, it's like, that was really a flash in the pan. That was like one week or yeah. a month of your life that you were in that place. And it doesn't seem it's like, man, that was so silly. What, what was the big deal? Uh, you can't even remember half of the, half of the things that you were agonizing over at that point, because God has delivered you from it and, and brought you to the other side of it. And you're, uh, unfortunately for people that don't, that for people that actually go ahead and commit suicide at that point, obviously that, that is the end of the road and they, they can never find out what the, what the solution to those problems were. Uh, I was I was thinking about it though the other day when you when you hear about people that do they get to low points in their life I I read about a mother that she was going through divorce she and her husband were fighting over or her ex husband I should say were fighting over custody of her son and she was now with another man and he had a older daughter a teenage daughter I think her this lady's son was like nine years old and she when the court finally awarded her ex-husband custody of the son, she went and killed her son, killed her uh, stepdaughter and killed herself because that's apparently in her mind, that was the practical solution. And of course, everyone was shocked except for the ex-husband who had been arguing, saying, I don't think that she's in a good place mentally to have the son. And, you know, he was like, yeah, I told you guys, <laughs> you know, he shouldn't have been with her and it took too long. And this is how it, how it happened. So it's, it's crazy when you see somebody, it, this always stands out to me when somebody gets to the point of suicide and they take other people's lives with them, it shows mm -hmm. how extremely selfish or how their lack of, I, I think it's either extremely selfish or a lack of mental clarity at the at that time where they somehow feel a responsibility for well if i'm out of here who's going to take care of my wife and kids or who's going to take care of these things that i'm responsible for so in in their way it, it for some reason in their mind it brings some sort of a finality to it it's like this is how i can finish things up and it's horrible it's awful if you're ever at a point of self-harm don't harm other people yeah but it it, it shows you how how satan i think like ultimately how if I was Satan, I can't think of anything that I'd be happier with than to get somebody to be suicidal mm -hmm. because he wants to steal, kill and destroy. And when you get somebody into that destructive place where they want to self harm and, and harm others in the in the process, like that's a huge win for the devil. Absolutely. So as oh, as yeah. Christians, when when you to me, when I start to see something like that in my life, there's been a couple of times where I had low points and suicidal thoughts. And I reckon I was pretty, I was able to pick it up pretty quickly. I was like, no, not today, Satan. You know? 
I know I, I can sense where this is coming from. I know what this is. And, and so anyways, it's not just an internal battle. It, that is something that's very spiritual in nature. I think the devil is very, very involved at that point. And if you can get you down to that point where you have suicidal thoughts, I think the devil is, is very actively involved in that. So that's my two cents on that. I think you're right on, you know, a hundred percent. Like you said, we know what the goal of the devil is. You quoted the verse, you know, that makes sense. Uh, Caleb, we're at an hour and I wanted to go over a little bit of the solution, you know, just to get some of this in. I have a few more Bible verses that pertain, but I definitely didn't want to, you know, cut this short without talking about some of the solution. Okay. So I'm going to start by just telling a few, telling everyone a few things not to do. If you are struggling with mental illness, and this is, like we talked about, anxiety, depression are big ones, uh, substance abuse, you know, drug addiction, uh, variety for, uh, a variety of forms of drugs. Keep in mind, those can be drugs that you are prescribed by a doctor. Uh, that's, you know, very common. Alcoholism. Uh, other things that are a big problem uh, in the church today for both men and women. Uh, you have sex addiction and pornography. You have cutting. Um, you have uh, gambling. Uh, you know, all, all of these things are problems that we see in the church. And if you are struggling with any of these things, uh, the number one thing you don't want to do is ignore the problem. And Caleb mentioned this before, and I'm going to reiterate it. If you did something soon enough, it would be a lot easier to get over it and to get help and to be better than if you just ignore it and hope it's going to go away. Let me just tell you this much. If you have one of these problems in your life and it's bad enough to the point where you're thinking I might need help with it, it is not going to get better on its own, period. You are already at a point where you're going to need some help. Now, the amount of help you need might be small or the amount of help you need might be great, but that doesn't matter. The, the important thing for us to understand is that we need some form of help. Uh, things that do not help this situation uh, with, uh, with any of these is moving into a substance abuse um, scenario where we are trying to get over the stress and the depression and the anxiety in our life by turning to uh, alcohol, by turning to drugs, by turning to pornography, um, by turning to some type of self-harm, uh, like we talked about cutting, you know, is one of the um, most popular ones. Uh, some people, you know, they starve themselves. They do different things, you know. So uh, you do not want to go down the road of substance abuse in order to try to help the problem. Uh, another couple things that are bad that you don't want to get into, isolation. That's always a step in the wrong direction. That's never a good thing. That's never helping. Um, uh, things like uh, sleeping in. Okay, that never um, makes anybody, you know, feel any better. It always makes you feel worse. And the crazy thing about depression is all the things that will help you, your mind is telling you to do the opposite. Whatever would be good for you, your mind is telling you to do the exact opposite. That's where depression leads you. As far as solutions, um, I'm going to tell you. Uh, we can probably go down to the bottom and say professional help. 
Okay. The fact is some people need professional help and that's fine. Uh, you might find uh, that you don't need professional help and, and that's okay too, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, going in that direction. Uh, a support group. I know people that do casual support groups and they do well-organized support groups and both of those are fine. Uh, for me, you know, I have done 12 step recovery with my alcoholism. It's been very helpful, but in a support group, first of all, there's one out there for everybody. Literally, I don't care what your problem is. There is a support group out there at this point in 2023, you know, in America today, there, there's a support group for it. And some of them are great and very helpful and our others might be a complete waste of time. You're going to find out which is which just by trying some and seeing if they're a help, you know, so go to a couple. The benefit of a support group is that you're going to find people struggling with similar issues. And because of that, you are more likely to open up and be honest with everybody. You are more likely to get people in a support group uh, to give you empathy because they're going to understand what you're going through. Whereas in other places, the fact is, depending on what you bring up to your friend in church, they might not have any understanding any concept of it because they've never experienced it. They don't have any family or friends that have. So for them, they don't know what to do or say, and it's going to be hard for them to give you that empathy and the support where in a support group, you're around, uh, you know, a dozen, um, a dozen other guys who are just absolutely, you know, addicted to gambling and, you know, they, they live for that high and it's a way they use to cope with the stress and let's face it you know some other people might not understand that so you might need to you know find that support group anything you want to jump in with so far no that's that's good i probably need to go i've i've, I've gambled a few times i don't know i don't think i need a support group yet but, <laughs> but it's good to know they're out there i could see i could see myself getting addicted <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you a couple others. Uh, exercise. Okay, regular exercise may help ease depression and anxiety. I'm going to change that. Regular exercise, exercise, I 100% guarantee is going to help you with your depression and your anxiety. I'm not saying it's a cure-all, but what I'm saying is regular exercise releases those feel-good endorphins in your brain and your your brain produces lots of chemicals your pancreas releases chemicals your intestines release chemicals all different parts of your body release good chemicals that are good for you believe it or not when you do good things exercise is a big one i'm not saying you need to turn into a gym rat and live in the gym but I am telling you that it will not only, you know, help your brain release those feel-good chemicals that will help you get over your depression, but you're going to take your mind off of your worries. You're going to get away from the negative cycle of whatever you're doing with your depression. Uh, you're going to gain confidence in yourself because you're going to be meeting small goals. You know, for me, my exercise regimen, I, I achieve very small goals very slowly, but it still feels great. Um, you're going to build your self-confidence because of that, uh, getting in shape makes you feel better about your appearance. Uh, you're also going to become more social because almost every activity on earth that we do other than playing video games at two in the morning online 
almost every activity that we get into causes us to get into the activity to a point where we start to join some type of subculture. So whatever it is, you're probably going to end up getting out of the house more. Okay. So even if you're working out at your house by yourself, you know, you're going to buy some new exercise clothes or some of those gloves that you wear when you weight lift or, you know, you see what I'm saying? You're going to get out of the house. All of these things are going to help you and make you feel better. Uh, And then the last thing I wanted to bring up is spending time with God. You would be surprised how much regular time with God makes you feel good. And I don't think it would be a surprise for most Christians in America to understand how many people don't have that in their life. In American Christianity today, there are a tremendous amount of people that do not have Bible reading and prayer in their life. And I think if they did, if they just got up an hour earlier and said, I'm going to read some of the Bible, and I'm going to pray a little bit. I'm going to make a prayer list. I'm going to buy a journal, and I'm going to keep track of what I'm praying for. I'm going to download a, you know, read through the Bible in a year plan, and I'm just going to read three chapters a day, or like three and a quarter chapters a day, and you're going to get through uh, the Bible in a year. I'm just going to do that, and I'm going to start doing that every day. I'm going to get up early, and I'm going to do that you're going to feel better because you feel accomplished. First thing in the morning, you get up, you have a schedule, you make your bed, you brush your teeth, you do all the morning stuff, you go downstairs, you put on the pot of coffee, you sit down, you read your Bible, you pray. It is now the time that you used to wake up because you're getting up an hour earlier. Guess what? You already feel good about the day. You're going to, I mean, it is such a small change, but it helps. It helps me so much. So these are just some suggestions. Like I said, I've been involved with substance abuse, you know, for so long. And I've been involved with 12 step recovery and psychology and, um, you know, one-on-one, uh, um, therapy and group therapy. I have a lot of experience in it. I'm not telling you anything different than you're going to hear, you know, from most professionals that you talk to, except maybe for the Bible reading and prayer time. Although you're going to meet a lot of uh, Christian, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists and and what have you, uh, therapists, and, you know, they're going to see uh, the value in that as well. So these are just a handful of things that you, you can do that'll be a good step in the right direction. And like I said before, and, and maybe I'm repeating this a hundred times just for the sake of passing on liability, um, professional help, okay? Nothing wrong with making a phone call. You can always go in for a few sessions, figure out it's not for you. Maybe that's not really what you need and you want to go a different avenue. Totally fine. But just don't ignore it. Don't isolate you know, don't start sleeping in and, you know, skipping out on work. That is not a step in the right direction. Caleb, your thoughts. Yeah. So, so many things that you, that you touched on. Uh, So you're, you've lived a pretty normal life. I would say Uh, you you're self-employed, but you're kind of a, you're a motivated person. You're a self-starter. If you know, you, you go to work, not because your boss tells you you have to, but because you're motivated to get up and do that. Um, so when I was, I'm not currently doing it, but for a long time I was driving Uber, mm-hmm. which 
Uber is the blessing and the curse of Uber is that it's extremely flexible. And I did very well with Uber because I'm addicted to making money. So yep. once I got on the road, I didn't want to stop. You know, mm-hmm. once I hit a goal, then I wanted to continue to go and and make more money. But I had some friends that were attracted to Uber because of its flexibility. Mm-hmm. But they were the kind that would uh, they would it became a curse. The blessing became a curse. They could never make any money because they didn't have a, they were used to that structure where they had to be to work at a certain point. Now they had the flexibility where they didn't have to. And it kind of turned into this tailspin with them where one thing led to another and their financial and their sleep schedule and everything ended up out of whack. Um, I've worked nights for a long time. I'm currently working nights at my job. And so that is a struggle that I have constantly trying to, uh, maintain a decent schedule because on the weekends I show up to church when I normally, you know, I'm, I'm preparing to go go to church when I'm usually getting off of work and going to bed. <laughs> so anyway, it, it, it does, it doesn't take much being out of whack, whether it's your, your schedule, whether it's any of those other things, your, your diet, your exercise, um, something can be a little out of whack in your life. And one thing leads to another and it snowballs. And pretty soon, you got a whole mess going on and you're kind of just in this quagmire and it, and it, it, it ends up getting you down mentally. Um, I've been there multiple times and I, what I would say is, um, something that you mentioned that is great for you, but again, you're a, you're a motivated self-starting person. And I see this even in your devotional life, your Christian walk is for you to get up and spend an hour reading your Bible is that's not a big deal. Mm. You know, for you, that's something you do for a lot of Christians. Uh, remembering to bring their Bible with them to church <laughs> once a week yeah. is something that they only, you know, they might only bring it to, with them to church once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in, if you're at that point where, uh, where you're not really spending that time in God's word, uh, something that I've found that's been super helpful for me, and I still try to get out and, and read my Bible or listen to my Bible on a, on a pretty regular basis. But there are some really good applications out there, and I'm not getting paid to promote any of this, but uh, one of them that I use is called Our Daily Bread. It's kind of crazy how something like that, that's just a daily devotional app where you download it, it gives you a little bit of encouragement, it gives you a Bible verse. Um, oftentimes, I listen to that before I do anything else in the in the morning, and that inspires me to want to meditate on God's Word. It inspires me to want to get into uh, reading the Bible. There's also... Um, I, I find that for me, listening to Christian music is something that has has really helped me when I start finding myself in these places mentally where I'm not where I'm not doing well. Sometimes it's an encouragement to be around something edifying like that. And next thing you know, I, I end up in prayer and I want to read God's word. So setting it either setting aside time, like like you said, where it's, you know, you schedule it in or or finding ways where you where you fit it in when you're down and 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 starting to kind of ease into that. Uh, a couple of friends of mine that weren't accustomed, recently saved and weren't accustomed to reading their Bible. I helped them download some apps on their phone, and I've I've seen you know they've they've uh, give, given positive feedback on that and where they're getting more and more into reading the Bible. So I'm not a big advocate for e-Bibles. I like the paper the paperback book. I work on handwriting copies of it myself, uh, but I do I, I do think that technology can be helpful for sure in that way. And I would, I would say for me, if there's anything that's helped me with my mental health, it has been God's word and the Holy spirit. We talk about this 
oftentimes on, on here, the Holy Spirit, uh, it was given to us, not just to lead us and guide us into truth and righteousness and to convict us of sin, but it is the comforter. And as a Christian, I, I find that sometimes the, the, in the absence of demonic influence in your life or the absence of other bad things, you do need to replace that. If you want, if you want to find peace in Christ, you do need to, do need to replace that by meditating on God's word, inviting the Holy spirit, you know, into your life and, and being filled with the Holy spirit. So. I think that's all good. I think that's all a great idea. Next time I'd appreciate it. If you were going to mention, you know, a specific computer program or app that's available, uh, we could uh, maybe get some money from them for, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that our daily bread is going to have a huge influx of downloads after I gave them that shot. Well, we'll never An know. 15 minutes into a video. All right, everybody, we appreciate you getting on here with the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. You can meet with Caleb and Patrick. Well, the podcast is on every Sunday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central. Caleb's on here at least once a month with us, and we always appreciate having him. We really would appreciate the support of people just going to YouTube, subscribing to the channel. Just look for Bible Thumper Podcast uh, YouTube channel. You can go to BibleThumperPodcast.com, and that's where you can find all the information. You can email me, Patrick Hayes, at uh, BibleThumperPodcast at gmail.com. And we'd be happy to hear from you. We'd be happy to take your suggestions as far as what we should cover in the future. And you can always get on one of these videos on YouTube or Facebook. When we do them live, you can comment, you can ask questions, you can be a little bit of a part of it. So, Caleb, we thank you very much for joining us. Uh, have a great week. Everybody have a good Labor Day as today is September 3rd. Tomorrow's Labor Day. So, um, everyone, you know, be safe out there and enjoy your day off if you work for a school system or the government or if you're self-employed like a lot of us are you're just going to be going to work like normal because it's no big deal and you need to make money okay everybody have a great week